Hello, my name is Beth Kellner, a.k.a. Sister Spock of the Roddenberries. I am co-captain and lead singer. Hi, I'm Bill Tayun, a.k.a. Spocknik of the Roddenberries and co-captain, uh, also the keyboard player. You're listening to Trek Untold! Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I'm your host, Matthew Kaplowitz. Star Trek has inspired many different people in many different ways. After watching Star Trek, some Trekkies became interested in science and went on to become doctors or engineers or even astronauts thanks to their love of this franchise. Likewise, the show affected creative people as much as it did technical-minded folks, and has given us artists, clothing designers, and even musicians. And going down that road leads us to today's guests, since we're talking to two members of the sci-fi cabaret band, the Roddenberries. They're one part rock band, one part theatrical experience, and all parts fully functional. Bill Tayun and Beth Kellner, aka Sister Spock, comprise a small piece of the Roddenberries, a group who play music from all manner of sci-fi nerdy shows from the past to the present, along with parody songs of familiar classics with a Star Trek twist. You'll be hearing some of their music today throughout the show, and I think you'll agree it is a lot of fun. The Roddenberries have performed all around the country, including the Star Trek mission shows at Wizard World and other Comic-Cons, along with established musical venues. They've also had the opportunity to perform on stage with some truly well-known Trek names, from Chase Masterson to Jeffrey Combs, Tawny Newsom, Robert Picardo, and a few other very cool ones we're going to spend some time talking about today. So get ready to go where no band has gone before, as we spend some time getting to know the Roddenberries. But before we begin this week's episode, I want to remind you to follow Trek Untold on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Trek Untold, all one word. You can get show updates, check out some fun memes, and let me know what you think about what's going on with the current events in the Star Trek universe. You can also support this show directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash trekuntold, where you can support this show for as little as $2 a month. At higher tiers, you can listen to the shows before they come out, know about my guests well in advance, and even have a chance to ask them questions, get transcripts of these episodes to make sure you get all the info, and more benefits coming soon, including watch parties and live streams. But that's all dependent on more fans like you coming over and letting me know you want to be a part of events like that. If you want some Trek Untold merchandise, check out our store for gear and apparel, including shirts, hats, stickers, water bottles, notebooks, and a whole lot more. New designs will be added throughout the year, so it's always worth taking a peek. Trek Untold also has an Amazon shop where you can peruse everything Star Trek, sci-fi, and geeky on Amazon in one convenient location. If you're looking for a gift for the Trekkie in your life, or maybe want to see some of my favorite non-Star Trek things that you can get for yourself, check out the link for my Amazon shop in the show notes on the audio version and in the description below this video on YouTube. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other audio platforms that allow for ratings and reviews, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review to help out this show. If you're watching it on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to us at youtube.com at Trek Untold and give the video a thumbs up and a comment. 
All of these things help more people find this show and to continue growing and bringing you awesome guests each and every week. Now, without further ado, let's beam in this week's guest. Computer, access interview file. And welcome back to Trek Untold. And now joining us here on the other side of the screen, we are joined by several members of the Roddenberries today. We have on one side, we have Bill Tayun, And on the other side, we have Beth Kellner. Folks, how's it going today? Going great. Going great. We're very happy to be here and uh, and uh, be part of this. Same. Right, well, thank you guys so much for joining me here today. You know, uh, it, it's really fun speaking to folks who aren't necessarily, you know, like in the Trek shows proper, but are doing things around the Trek world. And you guys are doing some really fun stuff. So, uh, you know, for the folks who are listening today who don't know who you are, I'm very excited to be able to introduce them to you guys. But uh, let's just start first things foremost here. Let's just get to know you guys a little bit better. Uh, and so Bill and Beth, uh, I'd love to throw you guys the first question I ask all my guests here. Uh, and that is, what is your earliest memory of Star Trek? And uh, Beth, I'd like to start with you. Uh, actually, Star Trek was probably literally my earliest memory. Um, wow. I think I started watching it when I was about three or four with my dad. And it was an old black and white TV. And we would just, he loved sci-fi. And um, I, I watched it, of course, in syndication. I wasn't around yet when it when it first started airing, but... My dad was a huge fan and he turned it on to us when we were very, very young. And uh, I was just, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. I was a lifer from like the, my earliest memories pretty much. So yeah, seriously. I mean, that approach is like the formative, the most formative formative years you can possibly have. There you go. Mm -hmm. We used to fight over who loved Spock the most. <laughs> my, my siblings, like literally we would fight over who loved Spock the most. <laughs> I think I won. Guy that you're watching. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. How about yourself, Bill? It's a similar ex uh, experience. So I am. I'm. You also got the fist fights over who loved Spock more. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I I, I concede that to uh, to Sister Spock here. I mean, she 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 definitely uh, gets that one. But uh, it, I'm six of seven. I'm the sixth of seven kids, and you know, uh, and I'm uh, second to the youngest. Uh, Second to the last. So uh, there's 10 years. Uh, my old, the oldest brother is, I think, 11 or 12 years older than me. So growing up, it, it, there was Star Trek was always on the, the original series. Um, I remember seeing, I mean, uh, the more vivid first memory of, of Star Trek was uh, seeing Ra Wrath of Khan in the movie theater. Um, I don't know how old I was in first grade or second grade or some, something like that. But I, I definitely remember seeing that in the movies, but but it was always in the periphery. It was always around. It was always on. Um, you know, we we love to imitate Kirk and Spock and and all all of those kind of things. You know, and <laughs> you know, so that's that's probably where my first memories are. And then just getting latched into the to the music. I am a musician and played piano and started at a young age, but I was always drawn to movie soundtracks and more specifically Star Trek. <laughs> Beth, I have to ask you, I mean, do you guys just refer to Bill as six of seven? <laughs> That's you my know what? I knew, I knew that was going to come up as soon yeah. as he said I was six of seven. <laughs> he gave me the setup. I had to do the slam dunk. I'm yep. three or four, so he wins, <laughs> yeah. though. He's got so many people in his family. It's like the, the parents keep messing the names up sometimes. <laughs> yes. I've been assimilated. Yeah. That's fun, though, that uh, I, I forgot about that memory for you, though, um, Billy, about the Wrath of Khan, because... Um, 
that's that's another memory that I had as a child because my dad would take us to all the Star Trek movies when they would come out and we'd sit in the theater together as a family and just go nuts. So right. good, wholesome family fun. I mean, that's good parenting to me. Like what parent wouldn't introduce <laughs> yes. their children to any of the Star Trek series? There's there's something to be learned and gained from every series. It's a beautiful thing. There's nothing more wholesome than seeing a steady eel crawl into someone's ear. Right. I mean, I mean exactly. Mean... That's exactly what. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill, let me toss you this one right now. Uh, I'm curious to know if you guys are from like musical families at all. Like, you know, how, what what was that like growing up for you guys? And you know, this is basically my way of getting into the other other second question I asked my guests, which is, you know, where were you born? Who were your parents? And what mm-hmm. did uh, little so and so in this case six of seven and Beth want to be when they grew up? I mean, yes, my family's always been very musical. Uh, Just a a little segue. My family had a had a popular restaurant in Philadelphia for many years, like 40 years. It was a Middle Eastern restaurant where we had live music and belly dancing every night. And I grew up. uh, My father played uh, an 11 string fretless instrument called an oud, which was the basically the father of the lute, grandfather of the guitar. I mean, he played that. my brothers played the uh, dumbek or darhuka, which is a the, the drum. Um, um, always musicians there, violin players, clarinet players, Armenians, Turks, and whatever. And so, uh, Lebanese, Egyptian, always somebody there playing music uh, for the dinner crowd and the belly dancers. And I was also thrown into, hey, you know, it's in addition to bussing tables and 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 washing dishes and waiting on tables, you know, it's also get up the stairs and, you know, play the drum or play the keyboard or do something, you know, we have a belly dancer going on, we have to play. Um, so <clears throat> that kind of thing. Also piano lessons at a young age at home, classical music. Um, so I grew up with this kind of, uh, yeah, American rock and roll, classical music plus Middle Eastern music. And it was this, 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 uh, just a medley of all kinds of different, uh, different music. So, yeah. Very cool. And after this interview, I'm going to have to see if I can hit you up and uh, try and steal your family's recipe for hummus because I could use a good one. And, My uh, pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. We made a lot of it. Oh, oh good. good. <laughs> Beth, uh, what, how about yourself? Um, I uh, have a slightly similar story in that um, not we didn't own a restaurant or anything like that, but we grew up with a lot of music in my house as well. Um, my parents were very much into classical music and my mother played the piano. She had played the organ in church growing up. Um, my dad taught himself how to play the harmonica, the slide whistle, the zither. It was a very musical house. Um, and I got very interested in piano when I was about five or six and had my mom start teaching me. And then I took years of piano lessons, mostly classical. Um, and I also took about as many years of flute lessons, but when it started getting really intense with both and I was in school, I kind of had to pick one or the other and I chose the piano because it meant more to me. Um, And I've, I've loved to sing my entire life. When I was little, I dreamed about being, you know, Shirley Temple and singing and dancing and (laughs) doing numbers and stuff. Like I would, I would wait, I couldn't wait until my, um, my babysitter, my parents would leave so I could put on these musical numbers for my babysitters that I had gotten together with like props and, you know, background music and, I was just that kid. I was that, (laughs) I was always that kid. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, when I first met Billy, I heard from my partner who'd known him for years. He's like, yeah, I've got this friend you really love. He plays a lot of Star Trek music on the keys. And I was like, why do I not know this person already? I just, (laughs) so, I mean, when I met Billy, it was just like, 
all right, we're doing this, man. We're just going to be like besties forever. <laughs> true. That's what it's true. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's now the perfect segue to kind of get into the story of uh, how the Roddenberries all came together. I, I don't quite know the chronology of how this starts or who was, I guess, you know, who started with who first, but uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go into that right now. Let's talk about how the band got together. So where, where did that original idea come from? Was it just kind of happenstance because you guys had met were jamming a bunch or was it something that somebody wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a couple of things it, like there was the story of of Beth and her story of Trek music. And then there's there's my story and then and then how it comes together. But, um, you know, for my for my part, I was always playing the soundtracks and themes on keys and um, uh, and and. Um, it, 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 you know, the, the, all the, the ethereal stuff, the, uh, you know, the Spock's theme and Wrath of Khan and that, that Vulcan, uh, very somber type of theme. Um, you know, all of those things. I just love it. You know, when I hear them and then, then when you're actually playing them, you kind of feel like you're part in it, uh, to a certain extent. But anyway, um, <laughs> the Kirk yeah, I mean, play, playing that music and then, uh, Beth's partner, who I've been friends with for many years, who actually worked at my family's place way back when you know i'm talking we're talking early 90s um were hosted a uh, part of the, uh, the uh, part of the Fr- philadelphia fringe festival one of some of the the uh evening events called the late night cabarets or things like that it, a, a few of us got on were on stage and playing and i think it was my brother or some somebody came and said like you know play the fight theme the 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 star trek the fight music you know and we're on stage just, you know, starting, we just start playing the uh, Amok Time fight theme. And, uh, and that was just like one of the, one of the events that kind of led to this. And I, and I remember, I don't, I don't think Beth was there, but Scott's on the phone with her saying, you got to listen to this. And, uh, and so Beth has also another story that le- leads us to this moment. I bet you want to say yeah. your side. <laughs> no, I remember that. I remember that call. I was at the beach with my family at the time. And, uh, Cole's like, oh my god, they're playing the, the fight song. You gotta listen to this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, it, you know, a lot of it comes around the the Fringe Festival because um, when I moved to Philadelphia in the very end of '99, um, two years later, I met my now partner and got involved with the Fringe Festival through another friend of mine that I had been in um, an acapella improv singing group with. And she was huge into Star Trek. And that's how we connected at, you know, our, our rehearsals when we would go to this, this group that we were in. And she's like, do you want to be in the Fringe Festival? And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I figured it out. It was great. And the late night cabaret, she's like, um, my partner now, Scott, was like, I hear you're a performer. You want to do something for the late night cabaret? And I was like, do I? And then I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? <laughs> so I got in touch with some of my female friends that were musicians and I figured the coolest thing to do was just be to play some Star Trek music because the theme from Star Trek, the original series, has literally been one of my most favorite songs my entire life. I sing that all the time. My brother and I have this thing where if we're in a stairwell or a parking uh, garage or something, I'll just stop and sing the theme for him. And he loves it. Um, but we did this this thing uh, and I called the group Sister Spock and it was me and like four female friends and we just did Star Trek music. And it was like a theremin that my roommate had made, a uh, drum, guitar. And we did the theme and we did some of the music from what I like to call the musical episode, The Space Hippies, Way to Eden. Which I also love, like everything about that episode. 
Um, and yeah, that, I guess that was a, a big start of it for me because I hadn't even met Billy yet. I mean, we all kind of have our own background of Star Trek and performing and, and loving the music of Star Trek. And then it just came together so organically all these years later when we all got together and met each other and it was like, okay, this is what we have to do. We don't know what we're doing yet, but we got to be in a Star Trek band. Like, what does that mean? And so we just started brainstorming and bringing other friends in. And um, I don't know. The following year on the, at the fringe festival was our first show. Yeah. And so it, it, it gelled for the year. We talked about it. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Who should we bring into the band? Who can do what? That kind of thing. And then the, the following year, Fringe Festival, Philadelphia, September, it was like the last show on a Sunday at one in the morning. I mean, and there, there the Roddenberries were born. That was that was our first show. <laughs> That's right. In 2012. This is our 10th season this year. Yeah. We call them seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to ask too, by the way, uh, you know, the Roddenberries, the name itself is pretty fun and it kind of just gives you guys yeah. a lot, you know, a lot, if you don't know what the music is going to be like, it kind of tells you right there with that name. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a little bit silly sometimes. Uh, who came up with the name, the Roddenberries? And were there any other names you guys might have gone with? <laughs> so, yeah. Literally sat after our first rehearsal, we sat on Billy's front porch with everyone and just went through all kinds of names brainstorming. We literally went through every single name of the original series episodes. It was like, we're a mock time. We're going to be sitting on the edge of forever. We're going to be, I mean, it was just like, you know, went through all yeah. of them, like, ah, that's kind of cheesy. We got to get a little bit more creative. I think it was actually, um, my brother, Joe. Brother. I yeah, think it was Joe. Joe. That came up. Yeah. Jay Wolf, yeah. his Roddenberry's name. He's in the band. He's uh, the percussionist. And he had put the Roddenberries in the in the list of names. And as we kept like whittling down the the list, okay, now we're down to these ten. Okay, now we're down to these five. And 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 then it was all voting at that point. And and everybody loved loved the Roddenberries. It had a fun edge. You're right. It, it's it's got a a fun. Obviously, it's got Roddenberry, but it it has the you know, you know, it's got a, a punk vibe. It's got a, a rock vibe. It's got a funny vibe. <laughs> You know, it's funny. It's got a space fruity feel. Yeah. <laughs> Eating the Roddenberries. Yeah. I'm happy you guys didn't go with like a, an episode name because, I mean, that could have just gone horribly wrong for you guys. Uh, yeah. You know, if you guys were Space Seed, that would have very different connotations <laughs> than Roddenberries. <laughs> yes. We probably joked about that, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm 10 years too late for it, but I'm glad at least I made it on the show. Uh, <laughs> before we get too deep, by the way, Beth, I want to ask about something you, you just uh, brought up, which was acapella improv. And uh, I've oh, never heard of that as a thing that existed. I know, I know about improv and improv performing, but I've never thought about it with like singing. That sounds like the scariest thing to do in the world. Uh, please enlighten us about how acapella improv works. I think technically, um, statistically, public speaking is the scariest thing in the world to people. But um, what about public speaking while trying to sing? That sounds like pretty frightening to me. I don't know. You know what? When I was 15, I would have been terrified. But now bring it. I don't even care. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, Um, honestly, when I moved to Philadelphia, a lot of it, I was finished with college and I was I went to massage school after college and I was working doing that. And I lived in a very rural area in Northern Jersey where I didn't have a lot of performance opportunities. So I wanted to come to Philadelphia to open that up for me. And I essentially just, I was like, where do I start? I don't know anyone here really. I know one person. Um, so I looked in the the ads, you know, um, when people used to do that 
And uh, I found an audition for an acapella improv group. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but it looks fun and, and weird and crazy. So I went and I got in and it was basically... I learned some, like, I've never had any, um, any professional vocal training, but I've learned a lot of tricks here and there as I've kind of moved around doing cabaret and, um, been involved with different types of performance. Um, but this was, it was really interesting because it taught me a lot of different, um, exercises. Like there's one thing that I absolutely love called the sound pillar. And you stand in a circle with however many people you have and one person sings a note and another person just comes in, you know, it's not staged or anything. It's just as you feel it, another person comes in with maybe a third or a fifth, either above or below. And then another person comes in with another note and then everyone comes in and people just kind of organically change their notes. And it's, it's all directed in the the column in the middle. And at some point it gets very discordant, but then there's always an unspoken finish where it just becomes beautiful and everyone is in harmony and then everyone just kind of bows out. So, I mean, it was, you know, we did some songs that were arranged by the director and it was basically, um, Oh God. Uh, don't worry. Be happy. Who, who was the, um, don't worry. Be happy. He does a, a voice sistra. He's amazing. And I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. Um, but he does, Billy, I know you're looking that up for me. Co-captain. <laughs> um, he does something called the voice astro where it's, it's Bobby um, McFerrin. Yeah. Bobby McFerrin. He does Bobby. different, um, things where it's all vocal. Like, you know, everything's acapella. Like one person would do what would be the bass. One person would do the melody, like just basically harmonies, but every part in the group is acapella. Um, there's a bunch of groups out there now doing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was kind of my start, my introduction into the music scene in Philadelphia that didn't last very long, but my friendship with the person that brought me in, that I met there that developed into, she was, you know, she, uh, knew all about the fringe festival and the late night cabaret. She introduced me to Scott, my partner now who was running the late night cabaret. I met a ton of different performance people. I got inducted into the big mess cabaret, the big mess orchestra, which is a big thing in Philly for like 25 years. Um, we had our last performance, the last show at the Trocadero actually right before it closed down. Um, which was crazy, but it's it's been an interesting ride, but that kind of got me my start in Philadelphia, and then from there I platformed and met you know all of the friends that I have now and the people with whom I like to make music. Well, thank you, Beth, for using the word cabaret by the way, because that actually is a, a great segue into my next question. Because on the Roddenberry's website, it kind of describes and defines what the group is, and uh, yeah, yeah, we, we didn't rehearse this, you guys. It's just improv, just yeah, back and forth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys kind of define like what the Roddenberries are and uh, the term that you use is like a cabaret band. And I don't really know what that term means. Uh, so, Bill, maybe you can help me out here. Uh, can you tell us, like, what is a cabaret band and how does that work with, you know, essentially being a Star Trek inspired cabaret band? So you're definitely when you come to a Roddenberry's show, I mean, you're coming to a show. It's Is it are you are you you're not just coming to see a rock band or a band play music? You're it's it's more of uh, of an experience. Um, there are m multiple uh, performers coming up in costume. 
Uh, so, so Beth might come out as Sister Spock singing a couple of tunes and then followed by our, you know, garish, you know, our Garrick-like Cardassian, very flamboyant Cardassian will come out and start singing some tunes, followed by um, Colonel Chuck Jägermeister coming out to do some tunes. And um, there's a there's a multimedia aspect behind, uh, you know, uh, behind us. So you're actually that and then and also uh, joined by our dancers. Um, so we uh, that are that are augmenting the uh, the 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 the, the, uh, the song or, or the performance. So so you have it's not just a band playing music. It's it's an experience. There's a lot of things happening on stage. So it is a bit of a cabaret. I mean, the lot. Some people have seen us without that. So when when the Roddenberrys do like the house band for the creations STLV, um, so you, you might see us out there just bringing, uh, you know, musically bringing uh, actors on stage and off stage. But but when we're doing our full on shows, um, it, yeah, it is more of a cabaret. There's a lot more going on, and there's more of an experience for for the audience. So when you guys are doing your performances, there's a few different elements, as you just mentioned, that go into the show. Uh, and one of the things I guess that you guys do is you're traditionally playing the classical Star Trek orchestra score. So that could be a theme song. It could be something from one of the movies or one of the shows or whatever. So I'd love to hear a little about uh, how that all comes together. Because, uh, you know, I guess in this case, too, for folks who haven't heard what you guys sound like, you know, kind of describe what the sound of the Roddenberries is also and uh, what you're doing to kind of make these classic themes sound different, sound special. There's there's quite a few things. I mean, sometimes we'd like we like to just try to play the themes the way they are but um but they will lead into some other some other fun parody like a rock parody so for example next generation uh we will play the actual the way the end of the next generation theme uh ends uh, like that the, the last part the last part of that song but it will end with the and the last note is the very beginning of our instead of my generation from the who it's next generation where beth has rewritten the lyrics and there's a, a parody of of that all based on next generation so we like to find ways of fusing both the original the uh the, the actual thematic music the, the themes with with some uh some rock tunes and th- there, there's various i guess forms of that uh you know, we'll we'll turn the DS9 theme into a, a loungy jazz theme, right? And we'll, we'll and and just have fun with it. But then we'll then we'll play it the uh, the, the the correct way as well, with the added electric guitars in it, which which makes it just so cool. But um, we just it's different things. It 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 all has to do with how like an idea. Oh, this sounds cool. Let's do that. There's no necessarily rhyme or reason of how the Roddenberries approach everything. It's it's a matter of feel. It's a matter of a fun idea. Oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Some things let's stick. Reggae, some things let's do ska. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we've turned things. Exactly. It, let's do a reggae version of that, a ska version of this. Uh, you know, you can pretty much turn anything into ska reggae, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, and, and also, what are we doing it for? Um, is it for a, a cabaret show? Is it for an album? Is it for uh, a dance party? Are we playing at a wedding? Some we played weddings, so it's you know what what are we what are we doing it for? And we'll we'll bring out certain variants of songs based on what we're doing. You know, within that, there are a lot of parody songs, and for folks who check out your YouTube channel and the Spotify as well, you'll you'll be able to hear and see a lot of those songs performed. 
you know, and that's stuff like uh, like Tanagra, which is a parody of My Sharona. Uh, you guys have Crusher, which is a parody of Billy Jill's Pressure, which I love that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Riker's Kiss also, which is essentially Kiss by Prince, but all about Riker. Uh, mm-hmm. There's what I like about Q. There's the classic Spock lobster. There's a lot of really great stuff out there. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to now make you guys each pick a favorite, though, and maybe this will get our, our audience to kind of choose one to listen to. Give them a try. Uh, let's start with you, Beth. What's your favorite parody song that you performed? Oh, boy. You know, I have to say for me, it's tough because I just I have so much fun with this band. Um, but I think in performing, I'm going to have to say it's a tie between Riker's Kiss and Space Lord Vader. Space Lord Vader's not recorded, but we have videos out. It's a it's a monster magnet song um, that I changed into a song about Darth Vader. And I dress as Vader and sing the song. Monster Magnet is what they call Stoner Rock, and they're from Red Bank, New Jersey, and they kill. They're amazing. One of my guys are jams. Oh, they're so good. They're just so heavy and just so good. I remember pitching that to the band, and they're like, I don't know who this is. I don't know, but I'm like, trust me, you guys. We're going to want to do this song, and I'm going to rewrite the lyrics. It's going to be everything. (laughs) It's so fun to perform that song, though. It really is. And Riker's Kiss, I get to be drag Riker. So, I mean, how, how could I possibly be upset about that? <laughs> the very first time that we performed that song was at um, Frankie Bradley's. And no one had seen my, I got my costume together and, you know, outside of rehearsals and stuff. And so the very first time we performed it, I came out to the beginning of that song as drag Riker. And our bass player, Ned, had no idea who I was. <laughs> He's like, like who is this? Do you remember that? He was like, who the yeah. hell is that coming out on stage? And I'm looking at him and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. hi, Ned, it's me. Now, you've never heard uh, Kiss performed until you've seen it in its traditional Starfleet with Drag Riker. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I mentioned, we met Jonathan Frakes um, a couple years ago for the first time. And he's such a cool guy. And I was like, yeah, I do a, a Drag Riker of you to a print song. And he's like, of course you of course do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he did say that it was i think funny. all of us were just like pile driving him that weekend like with cds and t-shirts and he's like hi roddenberries hi roddenberries <laughs> <laughs> we love you jonathan Franks. <laughs> how about you bill uh what, what's your favorite that the band performs i have to say it, it, i have a i have a tie of the two i have to say riker's kiss as well because i get to play my guitar and I, I don't have to do that much. And I get to have fun and move around a little bit where most of the other songs, I'm a lot of the the, the melody. So I have to I, I have to pay attention to a lot of things. But for Riker's Kiss, I'm playing three chords uh, and and ba- basically fifths. And and I, I can stand and and uh, and just watch watch Beth and watch the performance uh, and enjoy myself. So that's definitely one I love to play for that reason. The other one is our cantina band uh, theme. We we did this uh, medley um, of the cantina theme from Star Wars, and inside, and and we usually end our shows. This is one of the last, or one of the, or the one leading up to the last song of of most of our shows, and it's the cantina theme that everybody you know knows and loves. But inside of the cantina, we do. Um, six different songs will break into six different uh there, there's a bridge or just a breakdown that that the cantina goes to and then we'll, we'll we'll go to that breakdown and then we'll jump into 
and we change it for mostly every show we change it so this past run is the six songs where i think it was um uh mandalorian or not mandalorian boba fett um spider-man legend of zelda james bond theme um you, you know so like we jump in it doesn't have to be star trek it doesn't have to be star wars it's we're more of it just pop culture fun pop culture stuff uh and so we'll jump into all kinds of things and we change it from we did a halloween version where we did the adams family the monsters um then we went into doing a little suspiria suspiria um <laughs> uh what was it uh halloween theme, halloween theme exorcist all, all of these things so like we 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 do that kind of we that kind of anyway it's musically it's it's intense it's challenging, but it's extremely fun to to do. And when the band is all locked in and doing those quick changes very fast, um, it, it's 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 amazing to be part of that. Uh, when when thirteen or ten people are are doing that and a horn section at the same time is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I mean, I'd love to hear that happen live because I mentioned with the energy of the audience too. It really just makes it something very yeah. different. And I'm glad you brought that up too, by the way, because I know like you know you, you guys. I, I think your emphasis is Star Trek. But yeah, you guys have some stuff with like Doctor Who, with Star Wars, as you mentioned as well. So it's really just everything in the sci-fi and nerdy realm, and even just beyond that, like you said, pop culture too. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun, a yeah. lot of different influences there to play with. Yes, it's a, a lot. You'll see a lot of themes of because then you know Beth and I you know, grew grew up uh, eight, uh, late seventies, eighties, early nineties. Um, there's a lot of influences there that that will find its way into into our yes, tunes. There are. <laughs> um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, one of the tunes we did uh, last year was like Night Rider or, you know, you know, fun things like that that you can you can play with. Um, so, yeah, we like to we like to bring things from our childhood into it. Yeah. Uh, speaking to that and and for the record, like what band isn't going to do Night Rider? It's one of the hottest theme songs ever for a weird like sci fi TV show. I'm sorry, but it had to be done um, two years ago <clears throat> at STLV uh creations we did a cabaret and we will and how the the characters the actors that play will and holly from land of the lost the sid and marty croft stuff from the 70s um you know like electra woman and dina girl sigmund and the sea monsters lidsville the bugaloos all that stuff so they were will and holly and kathy coleman and wesley year we got them on stage to sing a medley of the theme for the land Land of the lost which wesley year had sung on the show for the show. And that was super fun because they're, they come to the Star Trek conventions and set up because, um, you know, there was a lot of crossover in the Star Trek writers and the producers and the costume people that were happening at that time into land of the lost. It was at the time, their highest budget show for Sid and Marty Croft. And, um, for example, Walter Koenig, uh, he wasn't really involved in the anime, animated series as one of the voices he was the only one and that was because he was off writing sci-fi stuff he introduced one of the the big characters on land of the lost enoch who was the talking sleaze stack i'm gonna get real nerd with you right now i'm gonna go down a deep nerd hole um but he introduced this character called enoch that was going to be Enag, which was gene spelled backwards as a tribute to gene ronberry but they thought that was too weird or close to whatever so they changed it to enoch and then there it was so Walker Edmondson played that role. 
Yeah. I, I don't even know where to come in with that on that. That was even nerdier than, than I could possibly go. <laughs> Listen, we love so much of this. There's so many different levels of nerdosphere and we love them all. And we don't want to go into any show understanding how smart our fans are and the people that we're going to perform to are. So we don't want to assume that they don't also love Battlestar Galactica. They don't always love these crazy seventies trippy shows that we watched. Um, Star Wars and Star Trek, we can all get along. You know, we like to unite the nerdosphere and just bring up as much stuff as possible. We actually had one guy come up and say, um, what did he say, Billy? It was like, I've never had three of my tattoos represented in a set list before. Yeah, that was I thought cool. that was one of the coolest things I've ever yeah. had. It's like, we won. We won. <laughs> we win. Win. <laughs> yeah. Best compliment you can get. Yeah. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is sponsored by Triple Fiction Productions. Celebrating 15 years in business in 2023, TFP creates 3D-printed Star Trek and sci-fi-inspired items that fit into any collection. Whether you're a cosplayer who wants a Starfleet phaser, Bajoran tricorder, or a Klingon dagger, or a toy collector looking for that special accessory or diorama to make your figures truly stand out, Triple Fiction Productions has exactly what you need. And for you figure fanatics, that includes products that are the perfect size for Galoob, Mego, Playmates, and everything in between. All products are 3D printed in the U.S., with new designs constantly being updated on their website. Repeat customers can sign up for TFP's loyalty program for free, where the more you order, the more discounts you receive. TFP also has a pay-what-you-want section, where clearance or misprinted items are available at a discounted price. Best of all, every product can be shipped worldwide. As a special bonus for listeners of this show, Trek Untold has a special discount code just for you. Enter UNTOLD10 at checkout for 10% off of all orders with no minimum purchase required. That's 10% off using UNTOLD10. To see all of their products, head to triple-fictionproductions.net. Or to stay up to date on their newest products, find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Triple Fiction Productions, where something is only impossible until it happens. Are you looking for the perfect fashion statement to show you're a geek and proud of it? Well, welcome to Geek Girls Castle, where I make fun and functional geeky clothing and accessories for every occasion. My name is Missy, and I started creating my own gear and apparel in 2015 to bring nerdy products to the geek girl population, which does include all LGBTQA+, non-binary, and POC and BIPOC folks. I couldn't find anything for us gals except t-shirts, so I decided to combine my passion for fashion with my fandoms ranging from handmade skirts with really large pockets, travel accessories like toiletry bags, luggage tags, and zippered pouches. I also embroider nerdy items for home decor like wall hangings and hand towels, and products like keychains, bookmarks, and journal covers. Need something to carry all that in? Well, I make great bags to put all those accessories into or onto. Whether you like Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, Marvel, DC, and everything else in between, there is something for every geek girl. My website is constantly updated with new styles and fandoms, no matter what time or dimension you come from. If you'd like to browse my products or ask for something custom, visit me at geekgirlscastle.com. That's geekgirlscastle.com. We know that you guys do a lot of parody songs. We've just talked about those. And again, folks can check them out on YouTube or Spotify. Um, but, I, you know, just out of curiosity, again, not meant to be insulting in any way, but like, do you guys do any original songs as well? Do you guys have any like original compositions that you will perform at the shows? 
We have a couple of co original compositions. I think what you're going to see in our next iteration, our next album, there's going to be some originals on that. There's some things that we have that we play in our shows that we haven't really recorded because they, we haven't really said it, it, this is this is what it is. This, it's this, and it ends here. Like things, it, a lot of a lot of our original stuff are fluid. Uh, we definitely have one one uh, one pretty awesome. Uh, it's called um, uh, the way it is. The way it is. It's a it's a it's a Manda Mandalorian rap essentially. It's really cool. Um, we uh, we I don't even know if we did it in Vegas this past year. Did we? No, we did it in the show before we went to Vegas. Um, but uh, that will definitely be on our on our next album. That, or we might just record it as a single or something like that, or as an EP. But um, there's a couple of there was like what is it? Uh, Groove Factor Nine. I think we did one time. There, there's a couple of other originals that we have, but we haven't. We we just need to lock them in, and then. But I think that will be a, an emphasis of our of our next album. All right. So you guys have also had the opportunity to perform with a bunch of luminaries in the sci-fi world. We already mentioned one uh, from Land of the Lost. But in terms of Star Trek, I mean, uh, you guys have done a few things with J.G. Hertzler. So uh, yeah. tell us about that and, and how that relationship began. The, the relationship with J.G. Is an, is an amazing how it started was like we it really essentially comes down to we're in Vegas 2016. We were in, we were brought to Vegas by Roddenberry Entertainment to play on the Roddenberry stage. We weren't on the main stage, but and the way Roddenberry found out about us and invited us, that was that's a whole trek in and of, in and of itself. It's just it's pretty amazing. Uh, but any, anyway, we're there. We're we're, at the, we're hosting the Roddenberry stage as the band for three days, and we're playing the show. And it's packed. It's Saturday. It's a Saturday night or Friday night or whatever. And JG's next door hosting Klingon karaoke with with Robert O'Reilly, and we're playing and we're loud. And and JG's like coming over yelling yelling at everybody what the you know man this like sh shut that off i i forget some of the things he said but um he was getting pissed. all klingon <laughs> we get all klingon on us anyway we end up stopping uh you know stopping our set so they can do klingon karaoke okay um that's how we met jg and then well, but remember, uh, you know, Scott, our resident Klingon, my partner, he made them a foam core like guitar because they were using mic stands and stuff to play along with the people as they were singing. So that was his peace offering. And then afterwards, it was just like, OK, you're not so bad. Right. And then the next year <clears throat> we, we met with JG and we were having a conversation with him. We weren't performing in Vegas. We were just there talking and he had some ideas. He was talking about running for Congress and we're like, Hey, we, you know, we, we can help you. Uh, you know, what can we do to support you and all of that? And I remember, uh, we, you know, we, we traveled up to Geneva, uh, New York and performed, a a benefit or, uh, performed a show, you know, for his election campaign and, and that kind of thing. And it was, it was a really cool thing. Um, and uh and then we also did uh we actually did the music for his campaign videos like it was like it, i remember we did a parody of like why not me it was like why not jg uh and it was some really funny stuff anyway we we established a really awesome relationship and then in 2019 when we did our album release he came and he came as uh, and we brought in uh 
um, John Paladin, John Paladin. Mm -hmm. and JG came and did his prosthetics and he wore his full his full attire and he was Martok for our show and he actually played keys uh, on a tune and uh, we that's there's a video out there of it of that as well and then just this past year in September um, and I won't forget it because it was the day that Queen Elizabeth passed away it was the day yeah. of our show that's, that's how I know but he was in Philly performing as Martok again with us and he played keys again on a show so um he's a he's just a, he's like the, the he's a member of the Roddenberry's like yeah. honorary member of the Roddenberry's he's our Klingon punk rock uh uncle uncle yeah he's so cool that's a good way to put it Klingon punk rock uncle that's really cool and uh yeah, yeah Beth you also got to have a few really cool experiences at the Star Trek Las Vegas thing uh because uh you also got to sing the opening number of Pippin with Ben Vereen that must have been amazing <laughs> wow so um <clears throat> yeah that, that's a magic uh, to do beth god all right so <laughs> you know we went through that song a million times and i knew it and for some reason and i wasn't i wasn't really nervous going on stage because i felt like we should be there and it was just so much fun and it was like this is my life dream and, and, and i love doing this but for ben vereen it was different i don't know why i was so nervous i was so convinced i was going to screw it up and um you know, we we kind of figured that he was going to want to sing or we planned for if he was going to want to sing. So we picked that song and we saw him getting into it in the beginning and then chose to walk him out with it again at the end because he looked like he was into it. And then he just got up and walked over and started yeah. singing. It was magical. And it was magical. I, I was just I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away that, you know, I was singing with him and he was he's such an amazing human being and he's such a gifted performer. And he's, he's like one of the last of the, you know, great showmen of his time. And he's just, he's all about the music and the performance and working with musicians and eye contact. And he's very generous on stage. Um, you know, although he's this amazing, incredible performer that is just an idol. Yeah. And, you know, after he, uh, he came up and he sang with us and, you know, all right, have a great day, Trekkers. And he walked off stage and I just instantly started snot crying. And I was like, <laughs> I need to turn around. But of course, the only thing I could wipe my snot on was the mask that I had because it was all, it was, you know, 2021. So it was COVID and everybody had to wear masks. Um, I just remember running off stage, running, like pushing people <laughs> my way to get down in that green room, like kick the bathroom door open crying. And I'm calling my parents and I'm like, mom mom get dad she's like what's the matter she was a nurse for four years so she thinking i broke my leg or something i'm like get dad no it's good it's like i just sang with ben for sobbing in the bathroom he might have heard me from the green room next door i don't even know but it was, yeah. it was absolutely one of the bucket list highlights of my entire lifetime it really was yeah, it's such a cool moment, and I'm, I'm really happy that was also caught on video stat. You know, it's on the Roddenberry's YouTube channel, so everybody can check it out. And you know, I couldn't tell you were a wreck, so uh, you hit it well if you were. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. But, you know, this is actually kind of cool now because, uh, you know, we're going to keep talking celebrities for a second, but this also ties into some Star Trek history because, uh, you know, one of the other people you got to perform with was Chase Masterson. And mm -hmm. uh, it was that, I think it was a 55 year mission where she sang essentially a parody of the opening theme song to the original series. Um, but I think a lot of folks might not know that the original Alexander Courage theme song actually has lyrics, real lyrics. And, uh, you know, so I'd really like to ask if you guys wouldn't mind. Uh, let's dive into a little bit of obscure Trek history here, Beth. Uh, can you tell us maybe a little bit about the lyrics to the original Star Trek theme? 
Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, you know, it's funny that with Chase, um, we kind of last minute, like maybe a week or two before we went, um, she contacted us and said, Hey, they want me to do this opening thing. Can you guys learn these different tunes? And, um, we were actually going to do the theme from Star Trek and the way that we perform it normally. We usually, we start a lot of our shows with the original theme and it goes, it starts with the lyric and then it goes into the operatic part for the second half. But those lyrics were actually, and they're super fun and cheesy. They were written by Gene Roddenberry. To my knowledge, it was because if the song had made a hit or for whatever reason, he kind of wanted to have some of the the kickback of money coming in from that. So he wrote the lyrics so that he and Alexander Courage could share any kind of um, uh, revenue. Thank you. Invisible partner from the other room. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kooky, but it's, it's cheesy, but it's, it's one of the things that we love so much about the original series because there is the camp and there's the bright colors and there's, you know, some, some cheesy things that happen in the shows, but it's amazing. It's just amazing. I mean, beyond the rim of the starlight, my love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find in star clustered reaches, love, sweet love, a star woman preaches. I know his journey ends never. His Star Trek will end, uh, will go on forever. But tell him while he's wandering his starry seas, and that's wandering with an apostrophe, R I N G. I love, I went to school for creative writing. I love those little touches. Um, remember, remember me. Those are the lyrics. And a lot of people don't know them, but the real nerds, they know those lyrics and they appreciate when they hear them at our shows. And yeah. I'm like, you're my people. I see people singing along every once in a while. I'm like, yes. there. <laughs> they are awful lyrics, but the song is just like still an earworm somehow in spite of them. Yeah, it is. Like it I is. said, it's one of my all time favorite songs ever my whole life. So I love everything about that song. Everything about it. So have you guys considered, you know, as maybe a future Roddenberry's act, adding lyrics to the other theme songs? Uh, Well, we sort of did that. The one with actual lyrics, um, the theme for Enterprise, you know how it's, it's such a different song than any of the other <laughs> songs. And what I heard was that when that came out, the fans were so outraged by the choice of theme song that they were literally lining up at the studio protesting. And I was like, that's, I even heard a rumor that Simon Pegg, who's a huge Star Trek fan, hated it so much that he wouldn't watch Enterprise. That sounds crazy to me. Because it's a great series. All of them are, are great series. I love the series. Else. I love Enterprise, yeah. I love it too. Um, but, you know, we actually wrote our own kind of um, response to all the people that, you know, hated the theme song very much. It took me a while to get into the theme. I, I have to admit, I was one of those like, ah. Do you want, should we, should we give Matthew the, uh, the, a couple of lines from our, from our version? Am I going to get in trouble? Well, we can <laughs> try it. <Let's> see. <laughs> I think it's great. Okay. They picked the wrong song. The reason was never clear. But when the credits roll, we must face our darkest fear. I die a little death with every line. Keep asking myself why. Oh, where did Alexander Courage go? Skip intro and never rewind. It's like a stand <laughs> through the heart. 
Linger torches three days straight. It's like my fate has been sealed. And I've lost faith in everything. This tune grates on my soul. At least they could have chose Rod Stewart's version. I can't take anymore. It's a theme mistake. <laughs> Sing the back up, Billy. My heart breaks. With a stake through the heart. <laughs> I'm so I'm so not warmed up right now. That was probably <laughs> that was amazing. I, I wish I actually had a lighter to do it the right way there, but uh... <laughs> God, you know it's funny because we did that song, the actual song in the the convention because in when we're doing the house band in the morning and the uh, end of the afternoon we have to do a full song and so yeah. one of the days was you know a little enterprising and we did that song and it's <laughs> i'm so used to singing our lyrics <laughs> i know that i really have to go, like i literally have to have it in front of me so i don't screw it up you know they picked yeah. the wrong song <laughs> i don't want to go on stage and sing that to you know 4000 screaming enterprise fans and get boot off stage. <laughs> we do it at our shows though yeah yeah we have done it on our shows. yeah when we're at when we're at a club or a bar and there's when a we're bar feeling there's, frisky yeah it's it, it's fun you know it, we, we have to do that you know <laughs> oh thank you for sharing that uh, that's wow that's, i'm not gonna forget that one <laughs> <laughs> it's somehow accurate too though but yeah uh <laughs> yeah hashtag i love star trek <laughs> It's all out of love. Yeah, I think there's one other really cool celeb moment I want to talk about with the Roddenberries here. Uh, this is my favorite one personally from what I watched on your channel. Uh, you guys got to jam with Rain Wilson, <laughs> aka Harry Mud from Discovery, and fingers crossed, hopefully Strange New Worlds, because come on, he has to show up on Strange New Worlds, right? Yes, he does. Right? Okay, good. Not just me. Yes, um, but yeah, you guys got to jam with Rain Wilson. That's so cool. He seems like such a like naturally cool kind of guy to begin with. But uh, yeah, talk to me about being up there and and playing Led Zeppelin with that man. Wow. Just want to say, like, what was, was threw us off, and we were like, "This is like our, our, the dreams coming true." Not even knowing we had this dream, right? But he sits down, and the first thing he says, the first thing he says to the moderator, is, "I want to play with the band." It's the first thing he said. We didn't expect this. We didn't know this was happening or whatever. Yeah. And then they were like, "Hey, can, uh, can you know?" Keep the band we haven't even gotten fully off stage yet, so we all pop our head back in the curtain. We're like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> okay, let's do right. it. And so they said, "You know, come out, get ready to go on like on stage ten minutes or so before his panel's up." And so, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we have another parody which we didn't rehearse at all. We didn't plan to play in Vegas. It's called a whole lot of mud, and it's all, it's all and and uh, so a whole lot of love, Led Zeppelin, but it's all about mud, obviously. So. Yeah, so we're like, let's just go out with that, and like we like relearned it in the green room, and uh, just just to make sure we knew it. No, a lot a lot of that was happening. So the other thing about Rain Wilson is, we found out two days before Rain Wilson, or a day before that, Rain Wilson was added to the list. We found out that day, like that morning, he was the mystery panel that they were trying to fill. Right, and so we didn't find out, and then we all of a sudden we find out that morning or whatever that oh it's going to be Rain Wilson. Okay, what do we do for him? How do we bring him on? Well, let's do the office theme. Well, we didn't, we don't know the office theme. Well, let's go learn the office theme. So we're backstage <laughs> and we learned the office theme backstage uh, that day to bring him out. And, you know, it, that because we, we make sure we have our our instruments backstage and some amplification so that we can, we can do that on demand, that type of thing. Um, 
And so, yeah, but but then that added, I want to play with the band, and then him coming and and sitting in with us was was a pretty magical uh, experience. Harry Mudd playing drums for our tribute to Harry Mudd. Like, yeah, it doesn't get any better. Than it's like it's Star Trek band. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's next? Riker's gonna Jonathan Frakes is gonna come sit in. He's gonna be one of my Rikettes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man, or John Delancey's gonna see what I like about Q. You know. I mean, August is a few I mean, months away, right? The next convention, so anything could happen. We're planning some fun stuff. We are, we are yeah. planning some fun stuff. Uh, so I'm looking for. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right. So on that note, guys, I mean, that's a lot of fun performances you had with a lot of Trek luminaries. Uh, so you know, just looking at the entire career of the Roddenberrys as a whole right now, what would you say was the Roddenberrys' best performance ever, and what was their worst performance ever? What was that like one nightmare venue where everything just kind of sunk terribly? Billy, what was that? Little, I don't think it's open anymore. What was the name of that venue? And you guys came after the oh, North Star. Star. North Star. Okay. That was a little crazy because we literally played in a blizzard and we had maybe 20 people show up. People were, were coming in, you know, three feet of snow to see this show. Um, That was that was pretty crazy. But we also did have, you think, Fieldhouse? They were both pretty sucky. I mean, I don't know. We we did just uh, we we did have a show. I will not name the venue. Um, that was kind of one thing after the other going wrong. There was an argument with the owner. The owner kicked our chief engineer out of the building. Um, they were not uh, agreeing with our contract. They weren't doing anything as as to what we agreed upon, and it was just we came literally this close to canceling the show and all leaving. And that was the only time that's ever happened. But the lovely and talented uh, William Tayun was able to work his magic. And uh, we ended up playing that night and it was actually a pretty great show. And I'm glad we did play because we had people visit from, we had people fly in from Texas, from Florida, from Connecticut. Like we had friends come from all over to see that show for whatever reason. Yeah. I think it was just because we hadn't performed in so long because it had been COVID and uh, we weren't really doing live shows. So that was crazy. But then uh, we actually just did that World Cafe live show with JG. And it was like, I feel like so many things came together at the last minute and everybody was kind of like, what's happening? What's going on, JG? What's happening? What's going on? And there were so many things that were going crazy throughout the show, but I feel like it was one of our best shows because everyone fell forward and everyone just was like, I, I don't know what kind of language I can use, but everybody's like, just, just forget it. And let's just have the best show ever. Um, and we did, and it was a great, great show. It was a really fun show. Our, our album release too was really, really fun with JG. Yeah. coming. So with, with the Roddenberry's, uh, in general, if we haven't played performed together for a while, those initial shows sometimes are a little rough. Uh, but that show that we just that Beth just talked about, we played at World Cafe Live in Philadelphia with JG if on Star Trek Day. That that Star Trek Day show, there was so many like crazy things that went wrong on stage. But the band just coming off of Vegas and some other shows, it was it we, we were at a point where we didn't have to to worry and think too much uh about the music we we could just play and have fun and yeah. so we did we we fell forward and and had fun with it and, and you know somebody made a mistake everybody was just laughing at it and just kept going and 
and and that and that is that that kind of show it makes you even want to want to do better and 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 play more and play better and uh and so yeah that was probably one of our best shows even the show that we had the problems with the with the venue and all that that was probably one of our better shows it was a, an amazing performance i think by the band despite all the chaos and um uh, um just early on in in like the as we call them season season 2 and 3 of the Rodmer we're still trying to find our footing and when you when you have this many people in a band and you not only have to worry about the band but you have to worry about the four dancers and this singer and that singer coming from this direction or that direction um and it, and you know the percussionist uh, uh has you know five or six inputs and I'm the keyboard player and I have five or six inputs and there's two guitars and a bass guitar and you know Beth has her flute or is she playing vocal or singing vocals all of the things that are on stage that we have to kind of work through we have a system for it now it's it before it was a lot of mess a lot of chaos and and now like we know exactly what we need where um and so it, it's a lot easier now yeah we definitely firmed it up over the years but that you live and learn you know we we i i think as people we like to go through life just you know, putting it all out there and doing your best. And then stuff is going to go wrong. It's just, especially with live performance, you don't know if the sound's going to cut out or the microphone is going to work, not work. We've had so many times where, you know, we're literally jumping back and forth to use each other's mics. And it was maybe more awkward in the earlier seasons of the Roddenberries, but now it's just like, it's par for the course. So it's a little smoother, I think. And yeah. also the band has played together so much and we're all friends that I feel like everybody's really good at paying attention and listening to each other. And that makes a huge difference as well, yeah. pulling it off, especially when things are going a little South, like we just know. And there, you know, there's so many professional musicians, like music teachers, um, people that gig for, um, for a living. And uh, so there's a lot of, um, I want to say there's a lot of talent that that's brought in, you know, some of these cats that we have in the band are just ridiculous. Yeah. And, if they didn't, if they didn't, and, you know, if they didn't enjoy being in a, Exactly. If they didn't enjoy being in a Star Trek band or want to be it, they're not in it for the money. That's for sure. I mean, you know, do we do we make money when we go to uh, Vegas or whatever? And then, yeah, nothing at nothing great. I and mean, they're going to make more money at doing weddings and doing the things that they do for weekends and things like that. But the work, the amount of work the band puts in to what we do is amazing. And the, we could never afford to pay some of these professional musicians that are in the band what they would normally get and what they're worth. They're doing it because they love it as well. And it's just fun and it's different and it's exciting. And um, we're very thankful for that. And we're blessed uh, as a band that we've been so cohesive for so long and people still want to do this. We've done, done these shows. I mean, before the last couple of years, it was just like, Hey, you want to do this? And it's like, you almost had to pay to be in the Rockberries because you had to buy this and buy that, and buy this. So um, it's gotten it's gotten so much better, and we're blessed for all the musicians we have. So, what are the plans for the Roddenberries here in 2023? Is there a new album on the horizon? Maybe. Yes, there's a new album that we're talking about. There are some touring ideas that we have, some fun touring ideas that we won't get into yet because we need to kind of kind of need to hash that out. Yeah, a little bit more, but we have some fun touring ideas. Um, Vegas, of course, um, and you know, hopefully, some more conventions. I mean, our our 
one of our goals is to be playing conventions and cons and and doing that. That's where our people are. That's where we we, we find that's you know that's really the, the the dream that we have is to play those kinds of things, those conventions. Well, Beth, for folks who want to hear, or listen, or watch the Roddenberries, where can they go to do that, and where can they go to follow you guys on social media? We are on all the social media. You can find the Roddenberries on YouTube, or Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we have a SoundCloud. We have a Bandcamp. Um, if you go to our website at theroddenberries.com, you can find all of our social media links there. If we have any upcoming events, it's going to be right there for you to see. Um, we're we're everywhere. We have actually a couple of uh, professional videographers in our band proper. So we have a lot of media out there. We have a lot of, we're, we're very blessed to have a lot of representation. We have a ton of videos. We've got recorded music that's out there. You can buy it. You can listen to it on different platforms. Um, just go in and check it out. And, thank and there's you. Our, our, our new Etsy page. Uh, yes, our new Etsy has, page. Oh, I forgot about the Etsy. Yeah, uh-huh. that has some uh, some cool. This is our own band art. <laughs> this is uh, the Saru Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, it's Pan's Kelpian. Pan's Kelpian. And uh, uh, Doug Jones loves it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's out there. <laughs> I am going to need that shirt. And I mean, literally, that shirt you're wearing right now off your back. So please just uh, send that to me as soon as you can. Because that, that's I love that idea. That's a great concept. <laughs> that's um, uh, Beth's partner. Uh, Scott, who's in the band, who does very various char- char- uh, characters on stage. Um, it's his art. I mean, he he's designed our logo. He's de- most of most of uh, the visual representation when it comes to graphics and art and the artistic design is from his brain. And, uh, and yeah. we're thankful for thankful for him as well. But this and he's is definitely one of the two videographers too. Yeah, him and uh, Commander they put together all the the visuals, the multimedia that we use. Yeah. All right. Well, shout out to those fine folks. Uh, so last question for today. Uh, I'll start this with you, Beth. Uh, what is the best thing about being a part of the Star Trek universe? You know, my head, the first thing that jumps into my head, I want to just say everything, but that's kind of a lame answer. Um, I know you guys understand because you're also part of the Star Trek universe. But I, I think the coolest thing is that it's such a family. It really is. It's so welcoming. And I just, I re- remember um, specifically talking to you know, some of the people from Strange New Worlds who they're they're experiencing this crazy, you know, fame right now because it's the big new series and everyone loves it. It's my favorite new series. It's amazing. And they're like, wow, this is crazy. You people are instantly just accepted us into the fold, into this, you know, 50 plus year long um, franchise that has gone through so many different series. And I feel like the camaraderie and the people and uh, the friendships that we've made and just our, our mutual passion and love for Star Trek and also all things sci-fi um, Star Trek people are the best people. They're, they're fun. They're intelligent. They're, they're smart. Um, you know, they're, they're very dedicated and I just, I love it. I love being around uh, my Star Trek family and it's just, it, it's inspiring and um you know, you just talk to some of the people at the convention and where they're from and what their backgrounds are and how they came to love the Star Trek shows. And um, it just it really feels like a community. It's it's a very close knit community and it's just a wonderful, wonderful place to be. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, the original ideals that Gene Roddenberry professed were just 
I mean, that's what, that's what we all want, you know, like live together in harmony and acceptance and infinite diversity in infinite combinations, the whole idic. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful world. And we want to be as much a part of it as we can. And if we can help, you know, be a part of it by making this music and, you know, getting people to have fun outside of their crappy day or, you know, their, their day job. And now people are working from home. If we can help to bring people out of that and explore a little fantasy with us for a little while and just have fun, you know, just be silly. Um, I'm, I'm all about that. I mean, this is, this is bucket list for me to be in a Star Trek band and to be a part of this huge, beautiful family of actors, production people, you know, everybody from the top level all the way down. It's just, it's a beautiful world and I'm very blessed to be a part of it. How about you, Bill? What's uh, the best thing for you? I, I can't, I mean, that has to be the, the same thing. It really does come down to two things. It really comes down to the people and again, the ideals of Star Trek. It's those two things. And and because of Star Trek and its ideals and, and its stories, you get these awesome people, but these, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a cycle. You know, I was watching your interview with Nana and I think what she said, it's, it's a bonfire, right? And it's, yeah, it's about the bonfire, but no, it's about the people. It's this big, you know, the, how she described uh, why she loves it and, 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 um, and, and what it is to her now. Um, it's a, it's a similar thing. Uh, and, and again, as, as Beth said, this is bucket list. I mean, who would have thought of doing the thing that you love to do, your passion, music, your favorite sci-fi and playing music, and then being asked to actually perform in front of thousands of people in Las Vegas for that very thing. I mean, there's no, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling being able to, you know, we're, we didn't have expectations of that starting this. We were just like, Hey, let's just have fun and do the cool thing we love. And that turned into this, this uh, amazing experience uh, of a lifetime. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, all of those things. But again, back to your question, it's the people that that really are, uh, I think, the, uh, the inspiring part. Well, to all the people who are listening today, do make sure you follow the Rotten Bears on social media. Definitely subscribe to their YouTube page because they're, I got to tell you guys, your videos are criminally underviewed also. We got to yeah. change that today. So uh, everybody who's watching, go over there, sub to their channel, start watching their vids. You're going to get hooked. It's it's really easy to get hooked on their stuff. Likewise, check them out on Spotify. Listen to it when you're in the car or on a walk or whatever. Uh, your stuff's a lot of fun. I love just how genuine and, and like authentic it feels in terms of being like, you know, an actual Trekkie experience. You know, this isn't like someone trying to cash in. Like you can tell this is a real passion project. This is something you guys love doing. Uh, it shows in the music that you're making. So thank you for that. Uh, fingers crossed. I get to go to Vegas this year and I uh, hope I can see you guys. If you're going to be there and see you guys perform live, because I want to get in on that action. So, uh, you know, to, to you guys and to all the members of the Roddenberries, thank you so much for what you're doing and keep it up. Thank you so much, Matthew, for having thank us. You so much. And so send me your time. address. Send me your address. I will uh, send this and to your you. your shirt size. Yes. <laughs> I'm over in the Delta Quadrant somewhere. But yeah, thank you guys uh, so much. And uh, until next time, as I say, live long and uh, party hard. Yes, live long and rock on. Live long and rock on. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Trek Untold. 
Until next time, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trek Untold, all one word. If you'd like to directly support this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter over on patreon.com slash trekuntold, which gives you access to some great perks that can't be beat. Or pick up some merchandise from our store, or use my Amazon shop link to check out all kinds of different Star Trek merchandise. Links for all these things are in the show notes. Shout out to Triple Fiction Productions for being a key sponsor of Trek Untold. Don't forget to check them out and all of the fine folks whose ads you've seen or heard on this podcast, too. If you have any questions, feedback, or comments for the show, or would like to suggest a guest or discuss sponsorship options for any of these episodes in the future, send me a message at trekuntold at gmail.com. I hope to see you here again as we uncover more untold stories from Star Trek and beyond and get to know even more amazing people who have contributed to this ever-expanding universe. Until next time, I'm Matthew Kaplowitz, and remember, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the Rageworks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.